your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter number 4, and uh, I'm excited to preach, and uh, I enjoy preaching. I started, uh, you know, Brother Ronnie preached Sunday night, and uh, I couldn't hear, uh, y'all can be seated for just a minute, we're not standing yet. Um, I know you're tired and everything, so, uh, but Brother Ronnie was uh, getting ready to preach, and I couldn't hear him, and so I came up and turned the microphone on. Apparently he wasn't ready for it to be on, but what I wanted to tell you was I really couldn't wait to preach, so I was going to tackle him and preach Sunday night instead of waiting until tonight. But uh, go ahead and find your place in Philippians chapter number 4. And uh, we're going to pray one more time and ask the Lord to bless the reading of his word and to meet with us, And because uh, we need him. We need him. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you, we thank you. Lord, we come today asking that you would meet with us here. Lord, we love you very, very much. God, I pray for your power. pray for your um, presence to be here. God, I pray that you would meet with us in a special, special way. Lord, we ask all this in your name. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, look there at verse number 1, if you would, please. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved, if you'll drop down to verse number 7, please. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you'll drop down to verse number 13. And I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. If you'll drop down to verse number 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Of course, we know that Paul is the author here as he penned this uh, letter to the church at Philippi, and Paul's in prison at this time. And uh, if you will, he's in a down place. He's in, you know, there's nothing exciting about prison. But what we want to notice here is that Paul was in a down place, but Paul wasn't down. And uh, so he's there, and he's writing here to the church at Philippi. And I want to draw your attention back to what Paul is writing there in verse number 1 when he opens here in chapter 4. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for, my joy and crown shall stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I want you to notice that statement, first of all, that says, my brethren, dearly beloved. We see, first of all, that Paul loved these people. It wasn't, when you, you take that word beloved, it has this meaning of greatly loved, dear to the heart. But Paul went a step further, not only were they beloved, but they were dearly beloved. And we add in that dearly, we take this thing of being loved just a little step further. It's a little more in depth than just a simple I love you. It's a passionate, it is a beloved, a very dear to the heart love. And so he had a love for the people he was writing to. Then I want you to notice the next few words and longed for. Not only do we see that Paul loved these people he was writing to, but he said he longed for them. He, he, he had a longing for these people. What was that longing? I have to imagine that being in prison, he was missing being around the people of God. That being in prison, he missed these people, and so he longed for these people. He longed to see these people. He loved them, but he had a longing in his heart. And you have to imagine that that longing would grow greater and greater with each passing day as he sat there. And he would write to these people, these letters, and, and uh, commonly referred to, you might call them prison letters and, as he writes, but he had a longing. He wanted to see these people. 
and because of that love and that longing to see, I want you to notice another statement in that verse. So stand fast in the Lord. So stand fast in the Lord. That word stand means to continue unchanged or valid, not to fail or become void, but to stand. It means to continue unchanged. But again, not only did he just say, I want you to stand, he said stand fast. That word fast has a meaning of firm and immovable. Here's what Paul was saying, if I could. He said, I want you to stand fast. I want you to be unchanged. I love you. I'm longing to see you one day. And here's what he said. He said, if I can, if I may put it this way. He said, when I get out of this place, I want you to be right where you were. I want you standing fast, unmovable, unchanged. When when I'm free, I want to know that I can find you with the stuff, sticking by the stuff. Unmovable, unchanged, standing fast. Paul, I can imagine Paul thinking, please, please don't sell out because it's hard. Please don't sell out because you haven't the money to do what you need. Please don't sell out because of a wayward child. Please don't sell out because of the burdens you carry. Stand fast. Be there where I can find you when I left. Be in the same place. How discouraging would it be for Paul to sit in prison and write letters of exhortation to the church and helping them to live and to write letters that he loved them and he longed to see them only to get free and to come and they're no longer in their place. They've sold out. They've changed. Dear parent, may I encourage you, the wayward child that you begged and pleaded and prayed for, don't sell out. They'll come home. And when they come home, may they find you standing in the same place with the same principles, the same foundations of life and may you stand fast so they have a place to come to. Dear person, you have a distant brother, a distant sister. Uh, Dear child, your parent is distant. I encourage you, stand fast because one day they long to come back. If I may, that distant child that seems hopeless, that distant individual that seems hopeless, and as the temptation becomes stronger and stronger to give up, to throw in the towel, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel as Paul was to write to the church of Philippi, stand fast. That wayward person that you're burdened for, here's what they're saying, if I may speak for them. They're saying, I'm bound by sin. They're not, they're not stupid. They know they're bound by sin. I'm bound by sin, but I love you and I'm longing for you. Please don't move. The child, the brother, the sister, the one that is wayward and distant and far from God, and you know it. Don't move. Because in their heart they say, I love that person. I long to see them again. I long to sit on the church pew with them again. But my pride doesn't allow me to. See, before they go back to the holy God, they've got to get past some pride. Pride's an enemy of God. And they stand it in their heart without telling you they long to come back. And they love you. Stand fast. Please don't move. I'm coming back where you were when I left. When I went astray, may you be where I left you. Think of the prodigal son. If the father had sold the farm when the prodigal son came to himself, what would the prodigal son's outcome have been? If he went home and the cobwebs around the farm and, and the dead farm and nobody there with open arms. Stand fast. Stand fast. We're selling out so cheap. Such a holy God. 
and we sell them out cheap. I would like to think that a God who sent His only Son to die on the cross for our sin, to wash away our sin, would get a little more, would be worth more than a hundred dollars you'll make that day at the store working. I'd like to think that a holy God would be worth more than the sand at the beach and the air in the mountains. We sell them out so cheap. There used to be a day that you wouldn't sell out the Lord's day. There wasn't a thing in this world that would move you, but you're not standing fast anymore and someone's coming home and you're moved. May I address the parents whose children sit beside you tonight. You don't have wayward children. The fact is you have very good children. What, What example are you giving them? Well, they know how to stand fast because mom and dad stood fast. Young people, those that you go to school with, if they ever had a, a little desire to stand fast, would they know how, who to come to to learn how? Would they know who, to stand, who stands fast in the schoolhouse? Would they know who won't be able to practice on a Wednesday night because it's church night? Would they know who to come to when all the dirty jokes are going on and they're tired of them and they want something different? Are you standing fast? We're selling out God so cheap, so very cheap. We must come to realize that we as God's people need to stand fast for the next generation, for those that are wayward. They need a place to come home to. They need somebody with open arms that's still sticking by the stuff. They need somebody to come home to. In our day and time, here's where we live, we're very busy everybody's busy and we all know that and with the busyness of life our tendency is to move God to the back burner rather than move the other things to the back burner where God takes precedence over everything in our life and we begin to move God to the back burner now we don't do it on purpose there's no uh, strife in our heart or evil that really desires that God be second place in our life it's not but we don't fight to keep God in first place and naturally the cares and concerns of the world began to push God back in our life and we turn around one day and we say wow I'm very distant from God and we realize that we're not where we once were it's not easy it's not easy to stand fast in fact it's going to take some effort it's going to take some commitment it takes fervency and determination there's a difference with just I, just, I got to thinking about this thing of standing and standing fast. And there's a, there's, a, there's a slight difference. See, I'm standing right now, but I'm moving. See, I can stand and remain standing and still move. Our building stands, but it still moves. You can see evidence of the settling and where it moves. The fact is we stand, but are we standing fast? The difference is not... It's, it's more than just when you stand and you sway and you go with things. And standing fast, put your feet in, digs in deep and says, I'm not moving. Somebody's going to come back here. Somebody's going to still need the same old Bible. Somebody's going to need the same good music to change my life. Somebody's going to need the same God that moved in my life. Standing fast, you don't move. It's unmovable. Firm. Settled. Takes determination. We need some people that are willing to say, I'm sticking with God I'm not moving but I'm sticking with God so how do we stand fast how do we stand fast 
I believe throughout this chapter, Paul covers about three areas in our life that most of us face. You don't face them, every one of them, every day, but I believe we run into them throughout the span of our life. You may face all three at one time. You may face one in six months. You may face two in six months. But somewhere along the lines, we can all relate to these three things that Paul addresses here to the church of Philippi. Number one, I want you to notice he addresses the peace of God. You'll look in verse number seven with me again. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If there's anything that's true about our world, it's not a peaceful place. Our world's not at peace. If our world was at peace, you wouldn't see all the shootings. If our world was at peace, you wouldn't see all the mobs and the anger and the gangs And if our world was at peace. But the fact is our world is not at peace. And you're not going to find peace at a place that's not at peace. And yet we as God's people struggle with standing fast because we battle and worry and fret about the same things that the world is worried about. And yet God has given us a peace that the world doesn't have. And we still find our place in a struggling life because we don't take God for His peace. See, without God's peace, we stumble and fall when circumstances arise. See, without God's peace, the word cancer will knock you down. Without God's peace, the word death will knock you down. Without God's peace, the word struggle knocks you down. Without God's peace, financial battles knock you down. Without God's peace, blank, and you fill it in because we've all been, had those things that come into our lives that affect us. Without God's peace, we give up on the one we're burdened for. Without God's peace, we sweat, we fret, and we worry. The key is that we get our eyes on Jesus and off of this world. We're God's people, King's kids. We're royalty, and we look for the world to bring us peace. See, you think your peace is more money in your wallet. You think your peace is another automobile. We think our peace is a new home or a bigger home or more of this or more of that. Our peace is Jesus Christ. I want you to notice some things about the peace of God. Number one, it's misunderstood. That phrase, passing all understanding, here's what that is saying. When it doesn't make sense, when the world looks and says, well, you're crazy, man. You're a fanatic. When it doesn't make sense, and you can walk around with a smile and joy in your heart. That's the peace that passeth all understanding. When you and I look and say, man, how are they making it battling cancer? How are they making it losing a wife? How are they making it with those financial battles and struggles? The peace of God. Passeth all understanding. That tells me that the peace we're talking about, you're not going to reason it out. You're not going to find a way to explain it. It's going to be the peace of God. And that's about the only way you can explain it. The peace of God. Why are you so happy? Peace of God. Why, why aren't you down and out because of the struggle? The peace of God. I know all things work together for the good of them that love God. The peace of God. The peace of God. When people walk by and see you knowing that you're battling the sickness, knowing that you just lost a best friend, and they say, man... Why are you so happy? That's God's peace. That's God's peace. God's peace that passeth all understanding. You won't find this peace in a pill. 
You won't find this peace in your wallet. You won't find this peace in what others can do for you. You'll find it in God. Not only is it, is it misunderstood, but it's a promising peace. Notice those two words, shall keep. That's a promise. Not Well, maybe he'll keep it if he's not too busy keeping other promises. No, he'll keep it. Shall keep your heart and mind. God's offered a peace and promised it for our hearts and our minds if we'll allow God to do that, if we'll look to God for his peace. And then I want you to notice it, it is through. Notice the word through in the verse. That mean, has this meaning here, to carry through, to complete, to accomplish. When we find our peace in God, it's settled. It will be complete. There won't be anything missing. You won't need anything else when you find your peace in God. So we as God's people struggle in standing fast because we lack the peace of God that the circumstances allow us to give up. Number one, we see Paul writes here about the peace of God. Number two, I believe he addresses the productivity from God. You'll go to verse 13 with me there again. I can do all things through Christ. There's that through Christ again. Which strengtheneth me. We as God's people begin to fall and give up standing fast when we begin to gauge our success and our productivity in man's eyes. My Sunday school class isn't as big as that one. My church isn't as big as the one down the road. This isn't this, and we begin to compare and gauge what we do based upon another man. And we struggle to stand fast because we get our eyes off of God. I want you to remember this now. Paul's in prison writing. He says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I know it may look down. I know it may be discouraging. The situation may look hopeless. It may look that only a miracle is going to fix it. But we still have a miracle working God. And I understand that it's all down. But here's Paul saying, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I know it's down and it's discouraging. But we can do it all through the strength of Christ. The productivity of God, I want you to notice, it involves us. It involves us, the productivity of God. Aren't you glad that God still uses human vessels? I mean, we're dirty, we're sinful, we don't deserve it, but God still sees fit to use us. Whether it's playing a musical instrument, whether it's leading a choir or singing in the choir, running the sound, or, or sitting on the church pew to fill a place for a pastor to preach to, God still uses human vessels. And I'm glad that He still uses us, but not only does the productivity of God involve God, excuse me, involve us, it involves Christ. Aren't you glad that even though He uses us, He doesn't leave us out to dry? Even though He sees fit to give us a ministry and give us something to do, He doesn't leave us by ourselves. That He's there with us. He's ready to strengthen us and help us if we'll allow Him. So what happens, not only the, the, the um, strength of the, excuse me, the productivity of God is not only involving us in Christ, but it's also strengthening. Don't miss that. When we're producing in the eyes of God and we produce as, and we gauge ourselves against what God has told us to do, we draw strength from Christ because we can do all things through Christ. What happens is we get disgruntled. When we start something and God puts it on our heart to do something, we're excited. Oh, and God put it on our heart. 
We know that we need God's strength, but as time goes on, we get discouraged because something doesn't go our way. Whether it's people didn't come or, or the, this didn't turn out right and we give up and we get disgruntled against God and we quit because it seems impossible and we quit God. Statements, well, this just doesn't work anymore. We need something new to draw in the crowd. We need something new to reach the world because it's hard to stick with the King James Bible. Hey, it's going to be a challenge to keep the same music and the right music. It's going to be a challenge to keep the right spirit and the right attitude for, uh, to be right with Christ. It's going to be hard to dress right and dress your best for the Lord. It's going to be a challenge. But when we start looking at this thing of we've got to move and we've got to change because our, we're not producing in the eyes of men. But God's not interested in what we think is producing. God's interested in what He knows is happening in the hearts and lives of people. The productivity of God. We quit God. And what happens as we begin to address these things that are challenging, it moves us just a little bit. And our problem is not that it's hard. Our problem is that we're neglecting the strength of God to help us stand. We struggle to stand fast when we forget the one who we draw our strength from. We, we, we struggle to carry on what God has called us to do because we're in the arm of the flesh. Paul didn't say, I can do all things through Christ. The end. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We get in our own strength. The fact is we need the strength of God. And God knows that. And yet we try on our own. We, the one we're burdened about, we preach to them day in and day out, and I think we ought to talk to them. Don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand me. And we, and we belabor, and we, we beat on them, and we, we want them to do right, and, and we want to walk up, and we want to shake them, and we want to move them where they need to be. And we get weary, and we get tired because God's, we're not drawing strength from God. We're neglecting the strength of God. If it's holy, and it's righteous, and it's right by God, you can do it. Your job, your kids, your work, your church, your tithe, whatever it is, you can do all of it through Christ which strengtheneth me. May I remind you that God's not going to command us anything that we can't do. He's not going to command us anything we can't do. We see, first of all, that the peace of God. We need the peace of God in our life. Secondly, the productivity uh, from God, and thirdly and lastly, the provision from God. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I like that verse. Shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We all have needs, right? Anybody want to raise your hand if you have a need or ten? Yeah, we all have needs. There's not one of us. We have needs. We know that. Some are small. Some are big. Some are, some are a quick, easy fix, and it comes up and says, oh, okay, we'll take care of that. And some are going to take months down the road to fix. But we all have them. We all face them. And needs will vary from person to person. I may take my need, and Brother George, it may not be a need to you. If it came into your life, it may not be a need. But it varies from person to person. 
And the weight of that need will vary from individual to individual and will affect everybody differently. But what we have to remember is that God will make provision for us. I want you to uh, um, notice in Luke 12, 24, you don't have to turn there, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. And how much more are you better than the fowls? If God's taking care of the birds of the air, He's going to take care of His people. He's going to take care of it. He's going to make provision. But I want to draw your attention to one word in verse 19 there in Philippians, in chapter 4. I want you to notice that. Let me just get right there so I don't mess anything up here. But my God shall supply all your... If you read that fast, you read this. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But my Bible, the Word of God says, shall supply all your need. I want you to notice that. It's not a plural needs. It's shall supply all your need. So what that goes to show me is that there's something, a need that we all have. There's a need that is going to be the same from one individual to the next. All your need. Now, so we see the specific need. Now notice that word according. According to his riches. That What that means there in relation to his riches in, Christ, in, in glory by Christ Jesus. If I was asking any mom and dad today to stand and I asked you what is your greatest treasure on earth, what would it be? Your children. God's greatest riches and glory is not the streets of gold. God's greatest riches and glory is not the gates of pearl. It's not the walls of jasper. It's not those mansions that line the streets. It is His Son. Now, the need that we have, God said, I'm going to take care of it, and it's going to be in relation to my riches and glory. Now, if I had to take care of all your needs in relation to my riches, you're in trouble. But if, if your need can get filled by a holy God in relation to His riches, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay plus some. You ain't going to have anything to worry about because He's going to take care of it according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So we all have a need that's the same. His greatest riches in glory. And then it says it by Christ Jesus. You know what we need? We need Jesus. That's our greatest need. We need Jesus. We don't need more money. I know you think you do. I think I do. But we don't. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. We don't need another car. We need Jesus. We don't need another toy. We don't need another this or another that. We don't need a, a, a promotion. We need Jesus Christ one more time. Our greatest need is Jesus Christ. Let's, let's get honest for just a minute. If we look and address what we call needs today, a need of a power bill or a need of Fuel, whatever your need is, is not really a need when you compare it to the grand scheme of our need of Jesus Christ. And everything we need uh, that we refer to as a need will all tie back to Jesus Christ taking care of it. So one need in our life, and that's Jesus Christ. One need that we all have. We struggle to stand fast when we lose sight of our need of Jesus Christ. We only have one true need in our life, and that's Jesus Christ. Because the very things that we classify as a need will all burn up one day. And at that point, it's no longer a need. But Jesus Christ is eternal. 
The home we're going to is eternal. And God said He's going to supply all your need. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, For the Son of Man is to come and to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to save because we were lost. He came seeking because we were lonely. See, the fact is we all as human beings long for a purpose in our life. You long. You know why a lazy person sleeps all day? They've not found a purpose. If they had a good purpose, they'd have a reason to live. We long for a purpose. Well, Jesus Christ came seeking to fill that purpose. Jesus Christ came to save because we were lost. All we need is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Our purpose in life should be Jesus Christ. Our purpose shouldn't be more money, shouldn't be the, to be the top of whatever we do or the, the best at it, but our purpose should be Jesus Christ and to know Him more because that's our need fulfillment, Jesus Christ. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed and every eye.